as long as I can remember, like since I learned how to write, obviously, and read, and that was quite early before school, I've been writing. And for me, it was so much about just understanding the world, making sense of things, and also about surviving, really, because as my <laughs> surroundings are idyllic, it was a quite dysfunctional family situation and, and there was sexual abuse going on. I, I've been writing about this as well because I use this like in my work to to end the violence against women and all that. So I've been open about that part of my story and uh, I can see now looking back how how my own writing was where I channeled all that. Obviously I didn't use those words as a small child. I didn't have those words. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Today on the show, we have Anna Lovind. Anna lives in Sweden. And she came to me through the World Wide Web, through our mutual friend, Jules Blaine Davis, who was on the show uh, many months back. And um, Anna is such a treasure. I We are kindred spirits. We're both writers and we both help other people write. It was just fascinating speaking with her and learning about her childhood and how she grew up and how story was uh, really a safe haven for her. I had a similar experience growing up as well, um, and still do, actually. I, f I feel like I still <laughs> feel safety in story, all kinds of story, um, reading, song, TV, film. There's just something that is so soothing for me in going to story, and, and that's why I do the podcast, too, and share, help other women share their stories to help other people feel less alone, right? Because it helps us feel less alone and less like a freak. <laughs> but it helps me feel less like a freak. So yeah, really excited to share that interview with you guys. This month's highlighted give is Amnesty International. They are incredible. Go to amnesty.org to learn more, or you can click on the giving page on my website, milfpodcast.com. If you guys haven't yet, please take a moment. It takes about three minutes to fill out the survey for MILF Podcast. I'm just really trying to figure out more of what you guys want and and give you more of what of what you need. Um, because this is really all about you. So it's milfpodcast.com forward slash survey. And I would really appreciate that. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Serpent Lane, for sponsoring today's episode. Uh Serpent Lane is a an online lingerie company that provides provocative, fun sexy, affordable, and size-inclusive lingerie. I personally own a lot of stuff from this website. It's my go-to whenever I need any kind of lingerie or pole dancing gear or lingerie for pole dancing. I love it. It's really great. They do free returns. So if you order something and you try it on and you go, oh, that's not what I thought it would be, it's a free return. So you also, because you're a MILF listener, you get an exclusive VIP discount code of MILF15. 
So when you go to serpentlane.com and you put all the things in your little shopping cart and you get to the end, you enter the code MIL15, you get 15% off. And that 15% does go a long way. It's shocking. I'm like, oh man, I really saved, I saved a saved a little bundle with that. So enjoy uh, serpentlane.com. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Anna Lovind. Enjoy. Hi, Anna. Hey. <laughs> so great Hi, in Sweden. Sweden. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for this. This is really a treasure. So you came to me through Jules. Yeah. Blaine yeah. Davis. Right. We've known each other, you know, the Instagram way. For yes, the Instagram way. I know. <laughs> I love that. And uh, you live in rural Sweden. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that where you uh, grew up? It is. Uh, I live now where I grew up and I spent 20 years away from here. Oh, where? Everywhere, basically. I was traveling a lot and I um, mostly lived in Stockholm. Okay. But also traveled the U.S. for a bit when I was a young adult. Yes. <laughs> across, the, uh, across the continent in, in one of those old campers. Oh, really? Quite with adventure. your family? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, with, with my then boyfriend. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right, because you said young adult, so you were already... Um, yeah. Wow, that's fun. And so... So we just returned here for uh, was it five years ago. Okay. Was that, is that boyfriend now your husband? Nope. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. growing up in Sweden, like, what was that? What was that like? It's funny. I have another friend, B. Ockerland from Sweden, and she is a, mm. she's a very well-known, uh, she calls herself a fashion activist. And um, right. she takes her, she and her husband are both from Sweden and they take their children back home every summer. And I always see the pictures. It's just like the most idyllic, beautiful place. And just on your website, I was looking at all the pictures of you in the woods and in nature. And it just, yeah. oh my God, I, I was relaxed even just looking at the, the <laughs> photos. Um, so I would imagine growing yeah. up in that kind of having a childhood like that would be yeah. pretty magical. Yeah. In that regard, it was. And I, I didn't realize that until I was grown up, actually. And, and I sort of noticed that however far I traveled from here and however long I stayed in other places and in the city and however much I loved that, it was like I could not quite unroot myself from this landscape mm. and from what it meant to me. And it, this is always coming home. Mm. The forest and the lake and the mountains and, and the silence and all that. It's like... I tried really hard to like make myself a home elsewhere, mm -hmm. and now I'm sort of okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is it for yeah. me. Yeah, this is where I'm staying now. You listened to your body and and said okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. And it that. feels really good actually, just bringing my own kids back here. Yeah, and and how old are your mm -hmm. kids? Twelve and six. Wow, two girls. Oh. <laughs> And yeah. were you always, so you're a writer and a storyteller and you help right. other women tell their stories, which is very similar to what I do on the yeah. other side of the world, um, mm -hmm. which is now the world seems smaller in this way, I think, because of technology and because we can connect, yeah. you know, it's, it's really amazing. But were you, when you grew up, like I, I grew up 
not in the forest of Sweden, but I grew up way outside uh, in Colorado and my mm. house backed up mm. to a forest for my, until I was nine. And then we moved closer to the city, but I, you know, there was no internet. There was no even cable back then. It was just, um, <laughs> no. you know, some TV shows I would watch like the old, I love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke, but mostly I would go outside with my dog and I was an only child and I would just play in the woods. I mean, it was so, for me, I think back and, and I feel like that's when my, that's when I was birthed as a storyteller. You know what I mean? And so I would imagine, you know, that you as well, and probably your children have that being steeped in that kind of landscape. Yeah. And I notice how much that's part of my language and sort of the, the stuff I source my writing from, even if I'm not specifically writing about the nature here or even this place or in my work, I'm writing in English mostly. So I'm not even writing in my native language, but still this is, this is affecting everything that I am. And so it affects also how I write and what I write about and, and how I see the world and all of it comes through in a way that I become more and more aware of. And I find that really beautiful. Mm. Uh, I can relate to what you say about like how when you're a kid and you're outside in that way that I think we were at that time, I'm not sure kids do that anymore. <laughs> we're not the same way at least. You know, we were like running wild. Yeah. And every once in a while, like a parent would shout yes. <laughs> something about dinner. Come in and eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wash your hands. Like hungry, yeah. hungry pack of wolf cubs. It's would, a different like, time. I mean, my son is 10 and he has, I mean, probably too many devices and electronics and things, but he, he will express that he craves more outdoor mm. time. And it's funny, we live in right in the middle of West Hollywood currently, and we're wow. looking to actually move out of the city a little bit. We'll still be in mm. Los Angeles, but he has expressed very much. Like he said, it's too chaotic here. I need more nature. That's so fascinating to me because, uh, yeah, he's able to listen to what his body is saying. So, no, so did you always oh. write as a child? Like did you did you always write or have like imaginary worlds or how was your creativity yes. active, you know, when you were younger and then as you grew? Yeah, I as long as I can remember, like since I learned how to write obviously and read, and that was quite early before school, I've been writing. And for me, it was so much about just understanding the world, making sense of things, and also about surviving, really, because as my <laughs> surroundings are idyllic, it was a quite dysfunctional family situation, and, and there was sexual abuse going on. I, I've been writing about this as well, because I use this like in my work to, to end the violence against women and all that. So I've been open about that part of my story and uh, I can see now looking back how how my own writing was where I channeled all that. Mm. Obviously I didn't use those words as a small child. Right. I didn't have those words, but you know I wrote poem after poem of of like animals hurting. Mm. Mm. Like strangely invisible to, to everyone around them. Mm. And it was just, you know, it was just that little girl mm. expressing 
her anxiety about being abused and no one seeing it. Mm. And both reading and writing actually was crucial for me. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think actually I would have survived otherwise because that was like, that was a haven. Yeah. That was a safe place. Yeah. I mean, I could express myself and I could like release some of that pressure inside. But also having access to other people's stories, that was like an escape. Yeah. An instant escape. Yeah. And I could really, you know, I could really lose myself in, in yeah. other people's reading. I, I could lose myself in like Donald Duck. I was like, yeah. gone. Yeah. And that was, that, that is like the most amazing survival yeah. tool. Yeah. Well, and, you know, many people, I mean, myself included, I've talked about this openly on the show. I'm, I'm sober, but I started drinking alcohol at a very young age. And I was, I was 12 and 13 when I really started going after it. And, um, and I, that was a way for me to numb out. I had the creative side too, but I also have, you know, an addictive, um, I'm an addict. And so I think, you know, if we can lean towards the more creative stuff, I mean, you know, my path is my path and I wouldn't change it. I'm so grateful to be where I am now and be in recovery, but Yeah, it's that pain has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere. I can really see that now. Yeah. And also, I mean, looking back, I don't think I'd use the word creativity, really. That I'm not sure that was what I was doing at that point. Mm. I was just surviving yeah. and using whatever tool was available to me. Yeah. For me, it was language and, and writing and reading. But, you know, with the wisdom of hindsight, I can look at what happened, like, throughout my teens and you know I journaled journal after journal and and sort of bringing that burning onto the page and it burned a little less for a while inside and and but at some point when I started my journey towards healing then something happened with that it it became like more of an expression Mm -hmm. not just surviving not just like holding on to the writing Mm -hmm. for dear life and writing became more about exploring and expressing not just the pain but but other aspects of me as well yeah and uh, eventually like now the last few years i i notice how how my creativity sort of not by intention really but it seems to be like something that i'm giving yeah and that is helping people yeah and i and i think there's that's that's sort of a cycle that that is common yeah and you use the creativity for your own healing or for your own survival. And then when your healing journey has, has come a little further, you, you can sort of begin to just explore and express, and then eventually it might actually help someone else heal. Yeah. You know, and then the circle continues. Yeah. And, and looking at it like that now, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's profound how we come to we come through these journeys, you know, of recovering from all these different things, addiction, sexual abuse. Oh, I wanted to say there's something on one of the blogs you just wrote. You said patriarchal fuckery. <laughs> that is now my new favorite phrase. Thank you. I'm going to use it. I, think I will it give you credit. It sums it up neatly. It does. It sums it up neatly. Oh my God. It's, it's just so good. But, but our experiences as women you know, we can pass that yes. on to other women of, of all ages, but just to help us, you know, like my, I talk about my, my 
postpartum mm. depression yeah. often on the show. And I talk about my addiction and I talk about, you know, that romantic mm. love is my Achilles heel. Yeah. Of life. Like I just can't quite get it right. And I get messages all the time from women that are like, thank you so much yeah. for sharing this because now I don't feel, I just feel a little bit less alone right. in this moment, right. you know, and that's really and what that's it's huge. about. It's magical. It's yeah. magical. So, so, but then you, 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 you said as a young adult, you were, you were touring across America in a camper. <laughs> so that's interesting. Was that like your version of sort of running yeah. away or just, ex just getting out? Right. I think it was like 10 years from, from when I was 16 and I sort of escaped home uh, until yeah. I was maybe. Yeah. And actually it was when I was 22 and I found myself pregnant with a child I could not keep in a relationship that mm. wasn't healthy. That I sort of mm. had this, that was like a breaking point for me where I had mm. this, I, you know, I remember this moment in the car outside of the hospital where I was going to get an abortion and I was like, I'm this is not going to happen again. I'm, I'm not going to be in this situation where I don't even have a choice mm. because I don't have an education. Mm. I don't have a job. I don't have anything to get. I didn't even have a, an actual home at that point, I think. Mm. So there was mm. something then that happened that sort of led to, okay, I'm going back to school. I'm going to make something of this mess. Mm. And um, so, up, but up until that point, I mean, I had a lot of fun, but I was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was out of control. I was everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. And there was, <laughs> there was alcohol and there was boyfriend after boyfriend. And there was just, yeah, constant escape. You were looking for something. Looking for something That's and escaping yeah. something as well. Yeah. 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 And just like, yeah, it was a band-aid being in constant motion. Yeah. I was moving like, yeah. you know, I'm 42 and I moved like 34 times at 34 homes wow. in my life. And that's, that's like part of it. I yeah. just was unable to be still, to be rooted. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm sort of rerouting myself. I'm staying put now and facing yes. what's yes. here and allowing myself. And so you moved back to Sweden to go to school again? Yes. I sort of left after high school or the equivalent it's not the exact same system but and then at that point i decided to go to college or or i had to sort of prepare myself to even be qualified for it but but i started that journey it took me a few years and i ended up getting a degree in, in language and literature and starting wow. that career as an editor and doing like splendid I was headhunted yeah. to this amazing job and it was in Stockholm at this point. And it was just like, you know, doing it. I had money for the first time in my life. I was sort of... <laughs> wow. And also for the yeah. first time, it was like looking at me from the outside, I was, I was doing it right, you know. I was doing the adult uh -huh. thing right. And that was such a uh -huh. relief because I had always been the messy one, the one mm. who couldn't get her shit together. And that point in my life, it was like, yeah, look at me, I'm doing it right. But it was just that I, I didn't want to live in the city. I didn't want that kind of work. I had a beautiful career ahead of me and I didn't want it. I liked the work. I like working with the books. Why didn't you want it? What was, what was, what was not there for you? What, what was absent mm -hmm. that you craved? Well, I think in many ways I'm almost unemployable actually because I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to conform and, and to just like, I, I need to be a hundred percent on board with with a vision if i'm going to follow 
someone. Mm. It has happened a few times. Like someone burns so brightly that I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm on board mm. your vision and I'm going to work for it. But uh, that wasn't the case here because it was a big, uh, big business. A lot of money. Mm. More mm. about the money than the books and the writers and the process and all that juicy stuff that yeah. I actually enjoyed. Yeah. So there came a point when I was just like, no. And since I don't have a pro, <laughs> you know, most people was like, what the fuck are you doing? You have this amazing career going on and, and, and you're just going to leave it. And that's the thing for me, like leaving has never been a problem. That was easy. Just, well, okay, yeah. trying something else. So I started my own business and um, that hasn't been easy at all, but it's yeah. still, it's my vision and the stuff that I burn for. And sometimes I burn too bright, but... What does that mean? Burn too bright? What does that mean? Is, is that an expression in English that you burn the candle in both ends? Yes. It's okay. one in Swedish. So like so. you, you overextend right. yourself? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. yeah. Burn out. You burn, burn out. out. Yeah. The word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's like a cycle. I um, have to be really like pay attention to it because I have those tendencies yeah. to overdoing and, and getting so yeah. involved in what I do. Well, and I know for me too, it's, it's really the challenge. The biggest challenge is being a mom right. and then having my business. I mean, I actually have multiple yeah. businesses really when I think about it, but it's, um, that's the biggest piece because when I'm with my kid, I really just want to be with my yes. kid. But I always feel this tug of like, oh, I got to respond to mm. that. I got to call that woman back. I got to, oh, I didn't write up that article for that magazine that wants me. I mean, it's just, and my mind, I have to, um, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy, yep. honestly. Yeah. Now, when you made that decision, I'm curious, when you made the decision to leave the corporate world, um, I'm just calling mm. it corporate world, but the, the book, the book world of that company, had you already become a mother? Yes, I had my first child at that point. She was just like two okay. years old or something. Yeah. Do you think there's a connection between becoming a mother and then kind of getting in touch with that feeling of like, oh, this isn't right for me. I want to I wanna do something. Yeah, more. for me, it definitely was. It, it also became so obvious. I mean, I've always been like a feminist and, and I've always been aware of these issues. But when I became a mother, it became so very clear how different the playing field is yeah. in reality, like in the day-to-day -day, uh, of yeah. uh, men and women working. And yeah. also in the, in the creative world, like the stories of the artists and all that, the, the topic for my, my new book where yes. I write about like, the path of the female creative and what the particular challenges yeah. are yeah. compared to our... Yeah, well, let's talk about yeah. that. So, so you wrote a book. Tell us the title. It's called The Creative Doer, with the subtitle, A Brave Woman's Guide from Dreaming to Doing. And a brave Love woman, it. because that. that's usually what it takes, a bit of bravery. Yeah. Or a lot, actually. Yeah. And yeah. in it, I sort of explore how the playing field is not even... Mm. Even though we sometimes think that we've gotten so far at this point. And, and uh, also there's a, there's a way of talking about creativity and the creative process and the creative life in a way that's like universal. Like there is no difference for a female creative and a male creative. But in actuality, I mean, the principles 
of creativity and the light cycles of the creative process and all that, that is universal. But the actual stories of the artist and, and the path that we recognize as the creative mm. life, that's modeled on a male. And usually mm-hmm. it's not modeled for a female and particularly not for a mother. You know, traditionally, be, becoming a mother is a choice, was a choice to end your creative career, for sure. I mean, yeah. that was, was either yeah. or. And, and it, that's not true anymore. But we still face a whole range of challenges that, that male creatives never have to deal with. Because, yeah. because I mean, we, have still, we still have yeah. very different ideas of, of what parenthood is for a mother and for a father. And we still don't have equal access to the institutions and the committees and the price. Ah, like... I did some research before writing this book, like who gets the awards, who gets the grants, mm. who gets space in the museums, who gets the most talking time, who gets the most reviews, whose books cost more. All of it. It's like, it was so discouraging. Wow. I, you know, oh man. It was like three, three <laughs> to 5% of, of the big museums, three to 5% of the space is women. It, it, you know, it's on that level. Wow, that is this staggering yeah. number. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not on a level playing field, not at all. And yeah. what I'm interested in is, is like just having this discussion. What does this mean? How has this colored yeah. our idea of what an artist is? Like yeah. the, lone, the lone genius, like the man who goes off into his cabin in the woods for like six months yeah. to like produce his masterpiece yeah. and, and a mother can't do that so how how do we do it if we want to write that book how do we do it Tell yeah us. <laughs> we, we do, do it like it? in the midst of the mess or yes. or we don't do it at all that's yes. like our options basically yes. yes and i want us to talk about that so that we don't always feel like we're failing because we can't get away like that because we can't dive into our work for three months and then surface with something <clears throat> completed yeah. Our path is, path is like in and out always. Yes. Yes. Well, it's something everything. that I have found and I'm struggling with at this very moment, in fact, is that I started writing my first novel when my son was in preschool. Mm. I worked on it really diligently for about four years and then I put it down and I haven't really touched it for almost a year and in that time, even through those four years, and certainly now, I mean, I've been, I've gotten a divorce, mm-hmm. just a totally different person. And so I've changed. And therefore, the story that I'm telling is completely different, yes. even though it's a fiction, it's a piece of fiction. But I'm now tasked with kind of going back, and I want to basically rewrite the whole thing. And I feel both. I feel inspired and excited about the new story that I want to write. And I also feel so discouraged because I feel like, oh, I should have a produced piece already. I should have this. And, you know, my friends who aren't writers who want to be supportive and are loving are like, why don't you finish your book yet? Why can't you just publish it? Why, you know, you've already done it. I'm like, well, but it's, it's not ready. I don't want to show it. And I want it to be something different now because I'm different. And it's, it's frustrating and I struggle with it and my ego struggles with it. Yes. So much. Not being productive enough, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not being productive enough. You know, not 
not making, not making the sale, you know? And it's like, it's so interesting that there's just this, it, I, I struggle with it daily of I'm either a mom or I'm an artist and I really can't be both. And I am both, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a daily struggle for me. Uh, Yeah. And I think it is for most women. Yeah. But that's, I, I find that so interesting and I really, appreciate you bringing this up and and also having the bravery to stick with your story and not just finish it and put it out there as it is when you can sense that it's not actually true anymore true to what you are and what you know now yeah because because like to stick i mean that's integrity that's creative integrity Mm. to to be able to um, forego these ideas of of producing yeah the creative life it's not necessarily about producing products. Yes. It's like the process. And that's so hard for us to even grasp, like coming yeah. from the kind of society we live in. Yeah. If it's not, like, if you can't capitalize on it, it doesn't exist or it's not worth anything at least. Yeah. And that's not true in the creative life. It's just like <laughs> there are different sets of rules and different sets yeah. of truths. I, I found that as well, because I the Creative Doer was actually an online course to begin with. I started writing it five years ago. And and I wrote it like that, like very universal, nothing specific about a woman's situation or a mother's situation. Or it was just like, you know, if you want to find time, you can and uh, stop with the excuses, you know, very simplified, but that kind of language. Mm-hmm. And then sort of life taught me and I went deeper into it and I realized, well, yeah, sure. But it's not true that we will have the same 24 hours. Yeah. It's just not. That's yeah. bullshit. That's yeah. like, that's coming from privilege. Yeah. Saying yeah. that like a single mother is not going to have the same 24 hours as a dude coming yeah. home to a set table. Yeah. It's just not. No. It's true. Well, it's like that whole Beyonce has the same whatever. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't even acknowledge that, we're not going to be able to create strategies that work for us. Yeah. I mean, we have to start there saying, saying it as it is. Like, this is my starting point. These are my circumstances. Yeah. I cannot, like, strive to to follow in someone's footsteps when his circumstances are so different from mine. Yes. Yes. So what do um, you say to someone when they, when they come to you and they say, I want to, I want to work on this project, but I have, you know, five kids and yes, you know, yes. like, how, like what, what's your strategy? Well, it's, it's a whole lot about getting real actually. If you do have five kids, then how much time do you actually have available? Honestly, like, is it, is it 30 minutes a day? Is it 30 minutes a week? And then we have to adjust that project according to that time you have available. That's just like the basic, that's the foundation. Because we, we get so optimistic, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go for that big thing because we're so inspired by the vision. And then because it's not doable, because it's not like anchored into our actual life, we fail. Like in week two, we just head first into that wall. And then we don't, some of us don't get up. Some of us don't try again. 
because they assume it was like them failing when really it was just that they didn't look at their lives and say, well, it doesn't matter what someone else can manage in a week or in a month or in a year. What does my life look like? Then also, of course, some tough love is often needed. I mean, if you have time for Netflix, then obviously you could make some time for writing as well or whatever you, your project is. So there's that combination of, of like having compassion for yourself. If you're a mother, my goodness, like let's not do what this society tells us to do, to undervalue that work completely. Like it's something we're supposed to do like just on the side almost. And we're supposed to know how to do it without ever learning. And we're never supposed to p- complain about it because <laughs> like be, be grateful. Yeah. And it's it's a huge undertaking. Let's start there, acknowledging that. And then let's see. Let's look at your days and see if we can find some time. And usually we can. It's just that we need to zoom in on that project until it's like something that can actually fit into your life. And then it might take you three years instead of like six months. And that's just like we were saying before, that's painful to the ego. It's it's stressful for, for someone who wants to produce. But if you actually want to make that dream happen, then that might be the timing that is doable at this point in our life. And that will change. That's also important to remember. Like 10 years from now, we won't have small kids anymore. So then we can do different things. I know. Yeah. And I've been, I've been having this new fantasy lately that my son is 18. I don't want to rush his childhood. Believe, believe me, no. that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just sometimes, I was thinking about that too. And I thought one day he won't be, he won't need me and he'll be out right. of the house or he'll be in no. college. And, you know, I was having this fantasy of like getting an apartment in New York and like Tribeca or Chelsea yeah. and just writing <laughs> and going for coffee. And yeah. like, I mean, just I don't know. Space. It just sounded it sounded so nice. <laughs> so I started looking at apartments in New York. Like, oh, oh my like, god! Yeah, getting ahead oh, of yeah, no, I, I'm I'm still an addict. I go for the whole enchilada. I'm not yeah, gonna just. Yeah. I'm not gonna just. But um, but but you know, I could have spent that time writing. <laughs> you could. <laughs> but uh, no, I love I love to go into fantasy. Probably sometimes too much, but um. But yes, I think it does change. And I have one of my really good friends, Sabrina, her kids are teenagers now. They're Mm. 17 and 15, almost. They'll be next month. And um, her life is so different. I mean, she doesn't need a babysitter. She doesn't, you know, they can, they're like out in the world being young adults. Yeah. I mean, this parenthood is still a huge job at that when the kids are teenagers and all that. But it's not like that the daily, the physical Yes. Presence is not required in the same yes. way. You're not yes. carrying them around or yes. like cooking the and food feeding necessarily. Them and, yeah. 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 It's a huge difference. I find it like there's a big shift right now also because now this year my both of my girls are in school. Mm. And that's also like something really is shifting. It's they're yeah. moving like one more step away from me and into yeah. like their own independence and their own lives. And yeah, more space available for me. Yeah, for my yeah. Work, if I choose to spend it for my work. Yeah, 
And so you wrote this book, The Creative Doer. Yeah. And <laughs> it just came out. Yeah. So which by the way, it's <laughs> so exciting. Congratulations. That's such Thank a huge you. deal. Such yeah. a huge deal. And um for my for our listeners, um, the links to to buy the book and the links to Anna's website and all of that will be in the show notes on my website, uh, milfpodcast.com. Um what is what's next for you? I mean, I know you just birthed this yeah, thing, yeah. so it's like you're fresh off of that. Yes, exactly. It's like but, I, I mean, I'm really I'm super introverted. So, like creating and releasing something like this is always such a such a stretch. Even though yeah. I'm, like I've done a pretty low key launch, my idea is that this book will have a long life. Everything does not have to happen this week. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yes. still, it's it's a launch, and you need to communicate need to tell people about the book what is it and then it's here and it's available and this is why i wrote it and all of that you know yeah there's lots of communication so right now i feel like oh my goodness i want to withdraw yeah <laughs> and don't speak to anyone for like yeah. three months straight yeah. or something like that and also yeah. we're like moving into winter here and, and winter in sweden is a, is a pretty dark affair which i don't mind it's just that i really need to slow down with it in order to yes. enjoy it Yes. So I actually appreciate like stepping into that season and I've made a lot of space this fall mm. to actually be able to slow down after this big push that it is to give birth of course. to the So yeah. So it's been intense and now I just sort of want to go slow for a little bit and also just to see where what happens with it, how it's received. Yeah. what what comes after i i want to keep it open for a little bit yeah but what i am noticing already because you know i i just these last few months uh, that's been spent like in the production phase not just yeah. not not so much in the writing phase but so i'm noticing like i'm already sort of turning towards getting back into the writing, getting back mm. into the next project and, and just longing for that immersion. Yeah. And spending yeah. time with the words and, and that that actual work, because that is what I consider my actual work. All of the other things that just happens to come along because I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> but, yeah. But the yeah. actual work is the writing. That's yes. what I will be doing until my last breath, probably. Yes. Yeah. So I long to get back into it, just just the writing. You know, when when you're in the in the stage of writing that is really about exploring and just sort of enjoying finding finding the right words and stringing yeah. sentences together and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I had a teacher once that said um, he was an acting teacher, but he said, "Paint. Have you ever painted a painting to just see what it's going to look like?" And I that's always stuck with me because. Um, mm. I think there is a stage of that. I mean, I'm big into also like having ultimately having an outline right. and like knowing where I'm going and stuff like that. But at the very beginning stages, I think it's really important to just have that sense of play yes. and exploration yes. and just, you know, I always say, and I say this to my clients, like, let it be messy. Right. Let it be, let it be messy crappy even. as fuck like yeah yes. just let it be shitty like write yeah. the shittiest scene you could possibly write and there's so much freedom in that because we put pressure on ourselves which is un so unrealistic yeah. to just write a perfect first draft right out the gate nobody does that 
Even the most seasoned writers. I mean, I just saw a poster for the movie Goldfinch that's coming out. Mm -hmm. And Donna Tartt took 12 years to write that book. That's like mind-boggling. Yeah. And it was out. It's been out several years. And now there's a movie being made of it. And it's just like these things take time. And we see the finished product. And we see the movie poster. And we think, oh, they just made that, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's been percolating for a long time. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I find is particularly challenging for women, actually, to allow yourself to play and fail and be messy in that way. Because we come, we come at our creative work with this good girl thing going on from school, you know? Yes. You follow the rules, you behave well, you do what you're told, and you get good grades in return. Like, that's a successful way to be, actually, in the school world. Yeah. That's rewarded. But in in the creative life, it's it's a disaster. Yeah. You have to to be able to fail. You have to find some kind of joy in the mess. That's true. Bring, you know, the play back into it. I think most women grown up have forgotten how to play not just when it comes to writing or creative work but in life in general because we're too busy you know worrying about how we are yeah perceived absolutely being good mothers doing our best in our careers and being good girls and being good daughters and all yeah, of it fuck is that. just yeah that's, fuck it's that. patriarchal fuckery <laughs> that's the fuckery right that's there the fuckery. <laughs> it really is yeah, yeah. and like you, just bringing it back to what i was sharing about my novel like what's in the draft now that is probably never going to even make it to daylight at this point because i'm just rewriting the whole thing which is daunting but also exciting at the same time is that all of that writing that i did hundreds and hundreds of pages was was valuable is valuable even though it's never going to see the light of day i needed that exploration i needed to write and god bless my writing coach who i just adore lisa cron i would send her just horrible scenes and she would be so patient she'd be like this isn't your best (laughs) you know but but like where can we what can we learn from this what can we extrapolate what are you trying to discover here yeah you know and um yeah, it is and very just allow it to be about discovering yes. something because sometimes, like, what you're trying to write about happens at the 10th page or, or yes. at the 100th page, even. Yes, and then okay, oh, so this is what I was getting at, and now I can get rid of those first 100 pages and begin the actual writing. Yeah, and that's painful, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's how it is. Yeah, and, like, we have to allow for it. And we're so, I think now we're so accustomed to more so than even when we were growing up, but this has been for, you know, over a century, but it's much worse now is that instant gratification of like, you want something delivered tomorrow, it's Amazon, you know, or whatever you want, you want to order food, you know, it'll be here in 30 minutes. You want to, you want to watch a movie on demand, just push the button. Like there's no, and the fact is like most things created from humans don't work that way yeah. from the human mind, you know, from the, from yeah. our hearts and souls. It's on a different timeline. Completely. And we never know, like, like you said before, you can make an outline uh, for the writing or even for the whole project or for your business or whatever. But yeah. in the end, it's one step after another. Yeah. And we make the path as we go along. And, and yeah. 
we can't say in the beginning if it's 10 steps or if it's a thousand. It's yeah. just, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. And we can try to make it 10 and, and that's going to be very painful. Disappointing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, Anna, you are such a delight and this has just been such an amazing conversation. I want to come visit you in Sweden. Yes, I do. I do. I really do. (laughs) I I really, it's in my heart to go there. Um, so we've come to the time where I ask, uh, three questions and then I go into a lightning round of just fun questions. So the first question is, what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? MILF. You know what? I Googled it today. I didn't know I had my <laughs> You're like, what am I getting myself into? No, but I've listened to your podcast and I've sort of gotten an idea what the what yeah. the topics are, but I didn't yeah. know what the actual word meant. So, <laughs> so what did what did you think when Google popped up the answer? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, it was something like, mother, I want to fuck. fuck. Yeah, fuck, yes. Or another alternative was yeah. mature form oh, well, or something. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mature or something. Okay. And I figured, well, I uh, I could fit into that category. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, it's and I always say this. It's for me. It's both. It's mama, moms. I'd like to fuck, and moms. I'd like to follow is really what I. Oh, that's my riff oh, on it, and that's, that's the subtitle nice. of the podcast because mm-hmm. I've always learned everything from other moms that I've walked in their footsteps, you know, um, uh, what is something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, (laughs) I started drinking coffee this year. I have never, (laughs) I've never actually had coffee before. Really? What made you change your mind? You just had a delicious cup and you said, Oh, this, this is someone made. It was this person I follow on Instagram again. Uh, made something called like a mocha latte with the tahini mm. and chili oh. and it was all sorts of oh. things in it and it was like I don't know what made me do it because I don't drink coffee but I did and, and then I sort of yeah that was it <laughs> so do you make it, it that so way every day with all those things in it mm, some version of it oh wow but I can, I can only have it in the morning, you know, because I'm super sensitive to caffeine. Yes. So if I, if I have yes. it any later, I'll be buzzing. Up all night. Yeah. yeah. How do you define success? I think the way Maya Angelou described it is, is a good way to see it. I think she said, like, liking what you do and how you do it. Mm. Mm. That's, that's like the basis yeah. of everything. I love that. Okay, lightning round of questions. Uh, ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Sushi kind of junk food? No. <laughs> you can pick whatever you want. You can pick whatever you want. Because I'm crazy about sushi. And where I live, because I live out in nowhere, uh, we don't have sushi. So that's what oh, I go for always yum. when I come into civilized areas. Uh, movies or Broadway show? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime, definitely. Texting or talking? Texting. I'm an introvert, you know. <laughs> Cat person or dog person? Uh, well, I don't like to choose because, I, but yeah, I, dog. I have a dog. Okay. And no cats, so. Dog have person. you ever worn a unitard? No. 
<laughs> Nor am I likely to. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Shower or bathtub? Bathtub. Ice yeah. cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Zero, I'd say. What's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> People who eat the whole apple. Like, why are they eating? You know. I thought this was going into some deep metaphor. I was like, no, oh, she, I'm, like, I'm talking about the actual apple people who eat the actual whole apple. It drives me crazy. What's wrong? You mean with the them? poor? Like, yes. The poor? Ew. People do that? People do that. <laughs> I love that that's your pet peeve. Well, okay. that's the only yeah, well, let's go. Um, with that. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products. Would you push it? Oh, well, yeah, I would because I'm super duper lazy when it comes to my <laughs> hair. So I rarely use anything. So I wouldn't be in any, any trouble. Okay. <laughs> I guess other would. Superpower but. choice, invisibility, ability to fly or super strength invisibility mm. yeah <clears throat> would you rather have six fingers on both hands or a belly button that looks like foreskin Ew. <laughs> no <laughs> that's your answer no that's okay good. 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 No okay, good. My answer. good what was the name of your first pet oh it was a, a tiny little little bird I don't know, uh, like, the species in, in English, with this small little beautiful white bird called Fia. Fia? Okay. <laughs> and what was the name of the street you grew up on? Small Swagen. So your <laughs> porn name is Sia Swagen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I think that's suitable because that's how bad I would fail at that profession. <laughs> like... I think it's a great name. It sounds beautiful to me. Um, uh, exotic, if it's nothing else. Very exotic. Very mm -hmm. exotic. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're a delight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So happy to know you. Me too. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anna. Uh, just a reminder to go check out serpentlean.com for all your lingerie needs and use that code MILF15 at checkout and save 15%. Join me next week for a fresh episode of MILF Podcast where I interview celebrity hairstylist Kylie Heath. Talk to you then. Bye.